0: Good morning, Outlook family. It is good to see everyone this morning. Whether we are together in the room or we are together online, it's good to be together. Amen? Good to see everyone this morning. Before I jump into God's Word, would you join me in some prayer? Let's pray. Lord, we love You. We're glad to be here today. But as Josh mentioned earlier, perhaps we've been all over the place this week. Maybe even leading right up to when... We got here this morning. Uh, the week at school, the week at work, at home, with the week with our friends or our family or our coworkers or our neighbors, this week has contained a lot probably for many of us. Maybe included some things we're thankful for, it's maybe included some things we're sorry about. But right now, Lord, we're here with you. We're together. We've worshiped you because you're worthy. We're, you're worthy of our whole lives. We want our whole lives to be acts of worship to You. And Lord, we're here now to open Your Word. So whatever this week has contained for all of us, God, at this moment, we bring it to You. and We seek Your counsel. We seek Your wisdom. So teach us now, Lord, by Your Spirit. And I pray that we had all leave nourished by Your good and holy Word. In Your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for praying with me. We are in the middle of a series this month of September called Live Free. It'll be a recurring series because the topic we're tackling is so huge. So we'll come back to it in a few months and again a few months after that. We'll be exploring in this recurring series the intersection between our mental and emotional health and well-being and our spiritual life and discipleship to Jesus. Now we will discover or be reminded that there is a lot of truth in both of these areas that overlap each other. And we'll be applying these truths from a biblical and holistic perspective. We're going to take our time and give these important issues the room and coverage they deserve. We're going to make space in our church family to talk about them because they're important And we're not a church that avoids them, but instead instead embraces the reality of them in each of our lives. And so in this first iteration of the series, this September series, we're laying out four what you might call first principles that, that will guide us in the rest of our journey as we keep returning to this topic. So let's review where we've been so far. A couple weeks ago, we learned that our weaknesses are not failures, but opportunities. That you and I all have our own weaknesses, our own places where we need God the most, and that we shouldn't see those weaknesses as somehow failures on our part, but instead embrace them as the opportunities for spiritual growth that they really are. Last week, we learned that self-care is not selfish, but really sacramental, really worshipful. And many, many thanks to Zach Leslie, who preached his first Sunday morning sermon here last Sunday. He did a fantastic job. So glad to have him and uh, have him share the word. And many thanks as well to Krista Webber who in her video with Zach did such a beautiful job of opening up, sharing vulnerably, and really guiding us in some important truths that morning. So great truth last Sunday. And I got to say, I've learned a lot over the years about these first two principles. I really appreciate them. I feel like they're, they're good lessons for every single one of us to learn. And even next Sunday's subject on self-awareness, that's what we'll be tackling next week. Man, that is one I have gained so much from. But today's principle is one that I just keep needing to learn and relearn. And it's this, Boundaries and limits don't confine us, but define us and refine us. Certain aspects of this one right here, eat my lunch more days than not, I have to confess. Now, what are we talking about here? Let's define our terms before we go on. First, boundaries are the borders we discern that should exist between who and what we include or do not include in our lives based on what we see as healthy or unhealthy, productive or unfruitful, tolerable or intolerable, ethical or unethical, or what is our concern and what is not our concern. Now, discern is a key verb there, and we'll keep returning to it. Now, limits are similar. Limits are the edges of our responsibilities and our capabilities. When we reach our limits, we are at that moment learning something about ourselves and how God made us. And when we try to push past our limits, we end up hurting ourselves, burning ourselves out, and likely hurting those around us, too. We take on things that are not assigned to us. We take on things we're not designed to do. And so, a lot of dysfunction and despair come from blurry boundaries and ignored limits. And so that's why this is important to our mental and emotional health. And I think the best way to explore these truths is to see them in action in the Holy Scriptures. See, this isn't pop psychology or some trendy idea pulled from the latest self-help book. We're talking about some wisdom that is ancient and biblical. So let's dive in. And we'll start with a scene from the epic life of Elijah the prophet. We're back in our Old Testament here, specifically in this case in the book of 1 Kings. Now, what's going on as we set up the scene we're about to uh, to read? Elijah has just had a truly miraculous and amazing string of experiences. The latest, just the latest two, are calling down fire from heaven to prove to hundreds of prophets of a false God that there really is only the one true God, Jehovah God. Then he prays for rain to end a drought. Those, Those are just the last two things that have happened. A long string of things. Check it out. I'd encourage you to read it. But now, in the scene we're tackling this morning, our first of three scenes from the Bible to teach us these principles. But now, the king and the queen have threatened to kill Elijah. And they have proven that they mean what they say when it comes to things like this. And so at this point we read, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. 1 Kings chapter 19 picks it up. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Anyone ever felt like you've been something at a place something similar to where Elijah is? I've had enough. I'm not that special. I'm not, uh, I, I can't take it much more. I'd really just to r- like to wrap this whole thing up. People get to that place. Maybe you've been to that place. At this point, arguably one of the mightiest of God's prophets was full of fear and despair and just wanted life to be over. It goes on. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Elijah had reached his limit. That's clear. And who could blame him? He'd been through so much. He'd expelled so much. He'd he'd witnessed so much. He'd he'd endured so much. And now he's running from a death threat on his life, placed by not just anyone, but the very king and queen of the nation. And he's at this moment of despair. And God's answer, this is what I want us to catch. God's answer is tender in this moment, not harsh. Not harsh. God's answer wasn't that he needed to pray harder. What's wrong with you, Elijah? You're a prophet. Have some faith. God's answer wasn't that he needed to correct some sin. Straighten yourself out. Clearly you've gone wrong somewhere. Sometimes the answer is a snack and a nap. That's right. You're all allowed to have one of those after church today. Right? Let's just all do that. Obey the Scriptures. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Some of you need to hear this this morning. The journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank, strengthened by the food. Then he does what he's assigned to do next. He's travel, he travels 40 days and 40 nights. He reaches Horeb, the mountain of God. Those words. Those words that the Lord spoke to him via the angel, the journey is too much for you. This takes us back to what we learned a couple weeks ago. And that is that we do reach limits. We do have weaknesses. And God's not pulling any punches here. He's not trying to give him some puffed up encouragement. The fact is, the journey you have ahead of you is necessary, but it's too much for you. It's not all up to you. It's not all on you. That's why God says repeatedly, page after page, Generation after generation, century after century, I am with you. Amen? The journey's too much for you. My power, what did Paul say a couple weeks ago? What did he hear God say to him? My power is made perfect in your weakness. Some of you may be facing a journey or you're in the middle of one and it feels like you you feel a lot like Elijah. It's too much for you. God's there to agree with you and then to assure you that it's not yours to bear alone and that you will and can get through it. For a moment, Elijah thought it was all up to him and that's where the despair comes rushing in. But it's not all up to him and it's not all up to you. See, so much dysfunction flows from pushing our limits. We do too much. We define success wrongly and then spend all our energy chasing that wrong definition. It's exhausting and ultimately impossible. See, perhaps you can do a lot of things. Maybe you have lots of capabilities, but you can't do everything. And trying to or feeling obligated to, is wearing out your mind and maybe your body too. It may be true that a lot of people depend on you, but that doesn't mean you can't depend on others too. That kind of loneliness, that kind of self, um, you know, self-dependence, man, that can drain your soul. Or maybe you've been moved by so many and so much of the world's injustices and needs, and you can't address them all, and the weight of it is breaking your heart. If I have to be honest here, those last three paragraphs were pretty autobiographical. That is pretty much me on most days. Trying to take on too much, feeling as though it's up to me. Keep everyone pleased and happy. Try to fix each problem. Somehow thinking that if if I just work hard enough, it can happen. So I'm gonna say something to myself and you can listen in, okay? Maybe this is you, maybe not. But the fact is, you are not a battery that keeps this world spinning. You and I are not a battery that's necessary to keep this world spinning. We are much more than that. We can't fall for the belief that if I think long enough or work hard enough, I can get everything in line, like I said earlier, keep everyone pleased, make everything right, keep everything flowing. We have to realize it's not all up to me. In fact, that'd be a good thing to say out loud together right now. It's not all up to me. Now let's say it like we believe it it's not all up to me. This reminds me of something I shared with our staff, gosh, maybe a year or two ago now. Uh, And it's about stewarding our mental and emotional energy and how important that is for all of us to think carefully and be discerning about where we put our mental and emotional energy, what we think about, how we think about it, how we allow it to make us feel, and how that then affects our work, our relationships, our lives, what we allow to work us up, what we allow to get us going, what we allow to bring us down. See, this energy, this mental and emotional energy, is a precious resource, not just for ourselves, but for those around us, because when we squander it, we hurt not only ourselves, but ultimately, and almost every time, those that we care the most about. And here's what I've realized. My mental and emotional energy is me. That's just another way of saying me. And I am not unlimited. And neither are you. And so when we bump into our limits, when we begin to see, ah, this is more, this is more than I can handle. This is, I've reached the point, uh, a breaking point here. Or, or the limits of my capabilities, or the limits of my responsibilities, then we are being taught a lesson right there if we'll pay attention and listen. We're being given a gift to accept, ah, okay, this is what I'm to be about, this is not for me. And then sometimes we just need to get some rest and a bite to eat, right? And so in this first scene, Elijah is teaching us something, or at least the Lord is teaching us something through how he approaches Elijah. Such tenderness and care, such understanding of our human condition. He meets him exactly where he is. So often we think that God is displeased with us, harsh with us. We don't measure up. That's not what we see at all in this story. He's still got good things for Elijah to do, uh, and he knows where Elijah is at the moment and he gives him what he needs. I can't help but think he'll do the same for you and for me if we'll give him some space. Here's scene number two. Now we're looking at something that happens in the life of our Lord. Jesus has had a long run of intense ministry as well, and in this case, we're still only in the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Lots of things have already happened in Jesus' life. Conflict, tons of healings, all kinds of amazing things. And then we reach verse 35. Very early in the morning, While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, lots of wisdom to be gleaned from this single sentence. Really, it's a whole other sermon. This single set of decisions that Jesus made are a lesson for us all. Because see, we live in a world that is always looking for the next new strategy, the secret ingredient, the bold innovation. But here we're we're bumping into something that's tested and tried and true. And it's ultimately simple, not complicated. And it is a huge leverage point for whatever we might want to call success in life. It's found right here, our ability or sometimes inability to simply and consistently be alone with our thoughts, turn to God. If you and I can find a way to do that on a regular basis, So many other things, not only circumstantially in our behavior and in our choices, but also, yeah, in our mental and emotional health, can really be nourished and aided. Now, it's not a cure-all. It it never promises to be. It is a necessity, though, a foundation, an absolute uh, essential ingredient in the diet of our lives for our hearts, our souls, our minds. So this is what Jesus is choosing to do. And then in verse 36, we realize it doesn't last very long. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! Where have you been, Jesus? Those crowds from yesterday, they're back and they're bigger. we got lots of stuff to do. What's going on? It took us a while to find you. The demands are now crowding in. Anyone start their day and feel just like that? Right? You try to carve out a moment of peace, but the demands just keep crowding in. And that's what's happening in the life of Jesus right now. Something familiar, in a sense, to all of us. Everyone is looking for you. Everyone needs you. Sounds a lot like everything is up to you. And here is where thoughtful boundaries come into play. Simon and his companions are making a true, or at least relatively true, statement. Everyone is looking for you. There's a lot going on big day ahead crowds are gathering and when that comes to us those those demands those needs that can elicit a variety of responses maybe urgency yes better get to it heightened adrenaline starts to kick in oh yeah i gotta climb that mountain today or maybe obligation maybe a little weariness yep another day all those needs i got it or sometimes if we've been at it too long Going past our limits too often. Anger, resentment, I don't want to do it. Why do these people need me? What's really going on here? Lord, don't you see this? Now, none of that was the response of our Lord, but we can understand how it comes from us. We're about to see how he handles it. And this is the lesson for us in this second point. The needs of others should draw us, not drive us. Our former senior minister, Dan, used to say, a lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on mine. I always got a kick out of that. And what we see in Jesus' response here is is similar. Even Jesus didn't heal everyone that needed healing, and we are about to see even Jesus couldn't be in two places at once. In verse 38, Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, So I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he runs counter to the expectations. Jesus is about to disappoint whole bunches of people. And he's doing the right thing. I don't know about you, I hate disappointing people. Gets under my skin, nags at me, feels like I'm doing something wrong when I disappoint someone. But Jesus is disappointing a lot of people right now. And Jesus never makes a mistake. Why? Because he knows his purpose. He says, this is why I've come. And yes, I could stay here and the needs will never end, but there are other people over there, and I've not yet had a chance to preach to them. I've not yet had a chance to meet them, to heal some of them. He is guided by something greater, and without apology, he makes a decision. He draws a boundary. He says, not here today, over there instead. Now, boundaries are not for you and me, just some easy excuse so that we can do just the things we want and not the things we don't, right? I'm just going to draw a boundary around all the stuff that I find irritating. No, that's not what we're talking about, right? Boundaries, as we're talking about them here, must be guided by God, and they should help us to do the things that really are ours to do. Things that matter. Boundaries help us figure out the ones, the things that don't matter as well. And that takes discernment. Not always an easy thing to do. In fact, I would say a lot of life is you and I trying to figure out what matters, right, and what doesn't. And that's why boundaries are important. Because I'd rather try and fail and try again at something that matters than succeed at something that doesn't. But if I don't figure out some boundaries, I won't know the difference. And I'll spend all my mental and emotional energy, perhaps, or at least a good percentage of it, on something that in the end didn't matter. Because I didn't take the time To discern some boundaries. See, we won't get to that point of of fruitfulness and productivity and health without some focus, some elimination, all guided by discernment. So, two scenes we've looked at so far Elijah reaching his limits, Jesus drawing some boundaries. Now we're going to see both of those in play in our third and final scene. This is about boundaries in our relationships, which is huge, a huge application of the principle. And we're going to see this through a story about Paul and Barnabas. We're now in the book of Acts in our New Testament. Paul and Barnabas are also finishing a tremendous season of ministry. They just went together on an epic missionary journey. And in Acts 15, we read that Paul says to Barnabas, hey, let's go back, let's visit each city where we previously preached and see how everyone's doing. A lot of new believers in all these different towns. Let's go back and check in and say hi. Barnabas agreed and he wanted to take along a guy named John Mark. We pick it up in verse 38. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. So John Mark had been part of that earlier journey, but he had bailed. And it says their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas, it says, took John Mark with him and he sailed on his own mission to Cyprus. Paul chooses a guy named Silas. And they set out on their own trip, and then we read about them throughout the rest of the book of Acts. Man, this is the toughest, but also the most needed, boundary-setting discipline. Where to lovingly but necessarily draw the line in our relationships with other people. And we see two lines being drawn here. Paul has deemed that John Mark was not a good fit for their mission team. Like I said, he'd bailed on the previous mission, and Paul did not find him reliable. Not at this point. And so he disagreed strongly on this issue. Barnabas had a different point of view. And here's where a second line is drawn. John Mark was Barnabas' cousin, as we read elsewhere. And whether John Mark was on the team or not was a primary issue for Barnabas. So he and Paul parted ways. Now I'm guessing, and I'm not really guessing because we go through this in ministry. We go through this as disciples of Jesus together. I'm guessing uh, and, and assuming probably rightly that this was painful. This was hard. They had been through so much together. Read back in the book of Acts in the chapters preceding and see that they had endured and experienced a lot of difficult and amazing things together, Paul and Barnabas. Paul drew one line that he discerned was wisest about John Mark, and likely much to Paul's grief, Barnabas drew another line. And here we encounter our final lesson this morning. Grace and love aim for what's best, not what's easiest. Paul made a decision about John Mark that Barnabas couldn't accept. Conflict avoidance. Maybe you live trying to avoid conflict. Maybe you found, as I have found, it's exhausting and impossible. There will be friction in life. There will be points of disagreement, even strong disagreement, as we read. Our job, as we grow and mature in Jesus, uh, and and we, we, we discern further and further what the Spirit teaches us about what's best, and we try to set the right boundaries. Our job is to minimize unnecessary conflict and friction and make sure the conflict we do end up experiencing is constructive and for good reason. In other words, we know it costs us. It's not something we enjoy. We don't want unnecessary conflict. There's a there's a word uh, for when when we Invite a lot of conflict and friction in our life unnecessarily, right? We use the word drama for that, don't we? Right? When we end up just making a lot of decisions that end up, we don't have a lot of boundaries. We push past our limits. A lot of things get dysfunctional, and because everything's blurry and undefined and undisciplined, a lot of drama comes into our life. In other words, a lot of conflict and friction that's actually unproductive and unnecessary. But the older we get, the more, we, more life we do. And believe me, I don't care what age you are. The sooner we all learn this, the better, right? You, you might be one of our students here this morning. Pay attention. This is a life lesson that will save you a world of heartache and pain as you move into adulthood. Minimize con- unnecessary conflict and friction. Setting boundaries with people is one of the most effective ways to do this. Now, interestingly, the Bible here in this passage in Acts does not tell us who was right. We really crave that as human beings. We want to know in the end who made the right decision, who was right and who was wrong. But perhaps it was right for Paul to not bring John Mark on that mission with him. And perhaps it was right for Barnabas to take his cousin with him and go on his own journey. As painful as that separation, I'm sure, was. Perhaps both were right. I can at least allow for that possibility. And I do know, we know later as we read the Scriptures, that later Paul found that John Mark would be helpful in his ministry, and in a letter to Timothy, asked for John Mark by name and described him as such, helpful in his ministry. So these are not straightforward issues. Again, discernment is necessary. The same Apostle Paul wrote this advice to the Romans and to us in Romans chapter 12. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now you and I, we may focus on this word right here, everyone. Right? Think. Oh no, I'm not at peace with everyone in my life. I must be doing something wrong. But there are boundaries all over this short sentence. If it is possible, it's not always possible, but when it is, as far as it depends on you, not everything depends on you, but a few things do. So if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Aim for the ideal. Keep living with the real. That's that's boundaries, and there are boundaries all over that. See, every person in our life, whether we include them or we end up realizing they need to be on a kind of excluded or limited in their influence over our emotions and, and over our hearts, minds, and souls. None of that means that any person is not important or valuable or precious or loved by God or even loved by us. Amen? But not every opinion is relevant. Not every opinion or is actionable or even informed or reasonable. If you're not getting along with someone, who's foolish or belligerent or divisive or prideful or toxic, that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong or that you lack love. It may just mean it's time for a boundary because it's impossible to please everybody. And much of life is discerning who has power over our emotions. That should be a very select number of trustworthy people. Boundaries should be set firmly in this case, and with wise counsel. Excluding or limiting anyone in our life should never be taken lightly or flippantly, but done carefully and prayerfully. Many times it does need to be done. And we see that even in the lives of people as faithful and mighty as Paul and Barnabas. So what have we seen today as I wrap up? Boundaries and limits don't confine us, but instead they define us and they can re finest. We've talked about stewarding our mental and emotional energy. That's part of boundaries and limits. We've talked about the fact that the needs of others should draw us as God leads, but not drive us every day in all kinds of different directions. And that in our relationships, grace and love will always aim for what's best, but that won't always be what's easiest. Sometimes tough love. Is what is necessary. All of this can be described as embracing reality, right? I have limits to my responsibilities and my capabilities and so do you. There are boundaries that sometimes need to be drawn so that everyone involved can flourish. Hurry, worry, anxiety, stress, codependency, self-image, burnout, on and on. So much dysfunction flows from pushing our limits and blurring our boundaries. And if you, as we've talked about so many things in just the last few minutes, if you would love to chat with someone, even pray with someone, just want to remind everyone throughout this series, there are tables right over here to your right. After we dismiss this morning, I and some other ministers and elders will be up there. We'd be lo- would just love to, to uh, spend a moment in prayer with you. But for right now, let's all pray together about all that we've taken in this morning. Let's pray. God, we can't help but be inspired by these stories that we've heard. We're really grateful, Lord, that our holy scriptures here show us what it means to be human in your world. uh, And that you're not surprised or taken aback by uh, who we are and the things that limit us or some of the ways that we we find ourselves distressed or, or drained But instead, you meet us right where we are with such tenderness and grace, with such nourishment and direction. We need that, Lord. We need you. and We declare that. We declare that today. We will declare that this week. Wherever our lives take us, we need you. You've gone on ahead. You're already there. And we're thankful for that, God. We need you. We love you. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen.